Hello, everybody. Welcome back to ATL Developments with Jeff Smith, recording from the Business Radio X studios inside of Renaissance Bank here in Alpharetta, where we talk about all things economic development throughout the metro Atlanta area with a focus on residential real estate. I am the branch manager of the downtown Roswell location for Assurance Financial, specializing in residential home mortgages. We fund our own loans, underwrite, and process in-house, have four quality appraisers on rotation, and if it's a residential loan you need, we've got the product, FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, jumbo, and construction to perm loans. Our engine is built to get our clients' loans quickly, cleanly, and to have the most competitive rates on the market. If you're a realtor, we love to help your first-time home buyers by educating them through the process so they feel comfortable through the deal. We love making it simple and smooth for your high-end buyers, and ultimately, we bring happy clients on time to your closing tables. Well, gang, I don't think I have to tell you we are in some wild times in the real estate market across the country and certainly here in the Atlanta area. Some call it a hot market. I've been calling it a street fight because to buy a house in this market, you have to be a bit of a hustler. You have to throw convention out the window. You got to figure out what is going on, um, what it's going to take to get the listing agent and the seller's attention. And your buyer's agent has to, has to be aggressive. You cannot just submit an offer and then cross your fingers. We've averaged over 60,000 people a year moving to the metro area over the last 10 years and only 20,000 plus new home starts. We have a lot of people wanting to buy houses, but not that many houses for sale. And it's simple economics of supply and demand. Prices are going up and buyers are fighting each other over, over good deals. So I work a lot of, uh, I work with a lot of residential realtors to try to win deals these days. And I'm happy to say that few do it better than today's guest, Chris Bartelski. Chris is an associate broker with ChrisInRealEstate.com. He has a passion for helping, helping his wonderful clients find their homes and uses experience as a marketer and associate broker to help his clients find their happy. I've worked with Chris on many, many deals over the years and where most agents in this market have to fight through several houses before finally winning one for the client. You know, Chris seems to have a knack for submitting winning offers. Great guy, one of the hardest working agents I know, and an unlimited stream of big energy. (laughs) Chris Bartelski, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, Jeff. You are the best. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, You know, Chris, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit, like, uh, what markets do you serve here in Atlanta? I know you're all over the place. You'll right. go where the deals are, but where do you like to focus your markets? So I'm part of the 400 North Board of Realtors. So I would call the 400 North Corridor kind of my home base, if you will, everything from Sandy Springs all the way up to Dawsonville. But that doesn't mean that you're not branching out to either Woodstock or Lawrenceville with people often, buyers either moving to those areas and selling in the 400 North Corridor or coming from there, going back to the 400 North Corridor. So, um, Have my realtor's license, we'll travel. Yes. Um, fuel economics yeah. uh, in your car, uh, you know, looking at new cars, that is the first thing a realtor should be looking at. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you got to drive. You know, you're talking 150 to 200 miles a day at times. So it's crazy. Well, that's awesome. So there's one thing I like to ask all the realtors that come on the show, Chris. Um what do you absolutely love about being a residential realtor? Okay, so I love being a residential realtor because it does give me a lot of freedom, which is wonderful. I like being my own boss. But the biggest thing I like is connecting people. I've always been a connector with whatever I did, but 
helping people find um, a house or where they want to be and problem solve. I think that is my most favorite part of the job. Um, and, and I think my little tagline on the website is, uh, you know, find your happy and make it home. So if I can be part of that process, it's just an honor to do that. That's cool. I've seen you in action. I can attest that it's true. Okay. Um, another thing I like to ask realtors, cause we're always trying to help each other out. You know, mm-hmm. what, how do you market yourself? How do you find, how do you find the people that need your help? You know, how do you, what do you do? Everybody's got a different strategy for finding that, that network. Honestly, I think you taught me a lot. Okay. When we first met, uh, <laughs> Jeff, you're the, probably one of the most involved people that I know, which is awesome. You're on a lot of, you know, you coach different boards and everything. And I've kind of done the same thing. It's if you want to expand your sphere, one way to do that is just to be in more spheres, right? So be involved. And I think if you can add value to any relationship that you have before you ask something back, it's going to come back on you. So if you could start um, taking care of the people around you and it doesn't have to be about real estate and put your top of mind, then naturally when it comes time to real estate, you've already earned that trust. So don't wait, don't ask them for business and then earn their trust, earn their trust first, be involved in their lives, be of service, be a positive influence in their kids' lives. If like I coached uh, youth soccer for like five years and of course, all those people I know, you know, they're going to come to me when they're buying and selling a house. But did I coach soccer because I wanted real estate clients? No, I coach soccer because I love that. And my passion comes through, but they also know my character and how I take care of their kids. And it naturally leads to things. So I think most of, most of my business comes from just being involved in the community and, uh, that's awesome. That's one of the great synergies about the things that we do about our business. Yeah. You know, we don't necessarily have to be in the office 24 seven to, to do good at our job. The more we're involved, the more we do things, the more things come back. So but we that, work 24 hours. Really cool. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Just not do. necessarily in an office nope. with somebody in California or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Before we get on to our next guest, one thing I also like to hear in our industry, in this industry, there's always a crazy story. Everybody's got something that's that's come up before. Uh, I know we've been on some deals where um, you know things have gone, clients have gotten crazy, or the seller's gone crazy. If you walked into a house maybe and seen uh, what you've seen, uh, you know, on, on day before closing, you go through the walkthrough and all you know, all the furniture still there. Anyway, everybody's got at least one, and I know you have many as many deals as you do. Give all, us something. All my deals are always smooth, Jeff. That's right. About? Yeah. Perfectly uh, smooth. I'm going to – the one today. I, I okay. was just out of closing. Pretty funny. But in today's age, wire fraud is like – you know, you have to be careful about it, right? Right. So, um, in this particular case, somebody purchased a property where there's a current tenant in the house. So a couple more months and then the person's moving in. They just have to finish up the lease. Well, of course, at that time, switching ownership, you got to switch the security deposit, Right. And I asked, hey, we're at the closing. Please send the security deposit. And I get a text message from a person from the tenant, which we never actually met, right? Uh And he said, yeah, can you just send your buyer's uh, banking routing information and account number? I was like, no, I cannot do that. (laughs) Can we zell it? How about, you know, cashier's check, something like that? But, man, I was like, no, we're definitely not giving a stranger (laughs) via text message or email, uh, you know, your banking (laughs) In today's, yeah, yeah. Let's not do that, no. right? I think that guy also is a, a, a crown prince and has a crown prince in Nigeria or something yeah, exactly. as well. Yeah, yeah. So that was I was like, 
No, not in today's age. We're not doing that. Well, so. good for you for stopping that. Oh, yeah, totally. Because there's probably a couple, well, folks out there that might have just handed over their the information. Yeah. Um. Well, awesome. That's a good one. That is a good one. Um. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to uh, a really cool part of the show. We are uh, very lucky to have the foremost expert when it comes to residential real estate data in the metro area, my friend Mitchell Palm with Smart Real Estate Data. Since 1996, Smart Real Estate Data has been the premier source for residential real estate information in the Southeast, providing timely and accurate data to the nation's top builders, developers, appraisers, suppliers, brokers, investors, and banking professionals. Smart Real Estate Data was the only company used for used for analysis to extend the 2010 housing stimulus in the U.S. Senate at the request of Senator Johnny Isaacson a former real estate guy himself. Since arriving at Smart Real Estate Data, Mitchell has run market due diligence and consulted on hundreds of residential real estate developments throughout the Southeast. He is the primary consultant and account representative for over 70 different real estate companies, including many Fortune 500 companies. His work has been featured on news publications, and he has been a regular guest on numerous radio shows. Um, starting in Atlanta, they now collect and publish data for markets across the entire Southeast, and we are very pleased to welcome via phone the one and only Data Master Mitchell Palm. <laughs> Mitchell, welcome, yeah. sir. Jeff, thank you. Quite the introduction. I appreciate everything. Abs- absolutely. So, you know, I, w- I think about you in your office over there with all, you know, the data guy. I My picture of you is sitting at an office with about 10 monitors hanging off of different arms with <laughs> line graphs moving and bar graphs shooting at you and ticker tape data running across the screens. So what uh, no, what is it like over there? What's, what is a day in the life of Mitchell Palm? I wear a lot of different hats, but uh, I help out um, a lot with the data, but a lot of my role now is um, more dealing with our clients, trying to get new clients, talking about the market. The problem is it's not just Atlanta. We've expanded across all Florida, South Carolina, moving to North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama. So I have to be kind of well rehearsed on a lot of these different markets and all these different names. But uh, my, my computer is usually going to be um, a lot of databases, actually. I'm looking at, we use a lot of databases, Excel, um, you know, graphs. I'm a big graph guy. I think graphs are very helpful for you know, detailing exactly what's going on with the market. Absolutely. I've seen a lot of them over the years, a lot of your graphs. Um, so I was kind of looking over your website the other day and uh, I hadn't been on your website in a little while and I saw this product called Groundwork. I don't know if you want to tell people about that for a second. I don't know if it's for this market or not, but it looked pretty amazing and certainly different from what y'all have done in the past, which was send out data and, and PDFs and that kind of thing. This is a very interactive kind of product, some the type of thing that I could probably get lost in for about six hours and probably shouldn't, <laughs> but tell me a little bit about it. What is that thing? Yeah, we actually, I think it's our fourth website we've released. I think the first one was in you know early 2000s and it's come quite a long way since then, but yeah, it's a program. You can kind of picture it like, you know, consumers use Zillow maybe to, or even like, you know, an agent uses FMLS to see the market. We, we kind of provide that same sort of, service for home builders or, you know, any other um, new home construction professional who wants to know the timely information, you know, what are, what builders buying lots in the high school district at, at this price? And wow. uh, who's the top builder in this county? You know, there's a lot of different ways you can go about getting information. And I actually use a lot of that website to gather, you know, the data for slides or you know, even, you know, shows like today just to help me keep 
it really helps me keep up to date in the market and not just me, but you know, obviously all our clients as well. That's really cool data. I know realtors love driving around and being in the know of what's going on and who's building what, where for their clients. So I, I, it seems like a really, really cool and useful tool. Um, so let's get to it. I know you've got something for us like you always do. You've got, um, some hot data and you sent some of it to me today. And, um, I'd love for you to, uh, go ahead and I, we were talking earlier about it being such a wild and crazy supply and demand market. Um, I assume the numbers bear that and you've got some of the numbers to tell us. So I'm going to go ahead and let you present if you will. Yeah, I was listening to your introduction. You were right. It is a wild, wild market right now. And it's actually great for home builders who are their primary clientele. It is amazing for them because, or anybody who owns a home and is trying to sell their home, you could sell your home instantly right now. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, we're really in the most undersupplied market we've ever seen. You know, our company only has data going back since the, the mid late nineties. Uh, but just going off of that, I mean, this generation, this is the most undersupply market, biggest seller's market in, the, in maybe the history of Atlanta. We're not 100% sure, but definitely in the last 30 years. Wow. And like you said, we, the month of supply, we don't have to go in technicalities on explaining what month of supply is, but it's really a good measure on seeing, you know, how much, how many homes are uh, currently listed. That's your supply of homes and how many homes have sold in the last 12 months. And that gives you your demand. And so we have record numbers for closing and we have record low inventory right now. What's that creating? It's creating record low months of supply. And so actually it, it is turning a little bit. We'll get into that in a second, but this month of supply, you know, we're actually under one month, which is unheard of. You know, a lot of industry experts say six to seven is kind of equilibrium. So anytime you're under six months, technically it's a seller's market. Uh, after that number, you know, six, seven, you know, it's archaic now. That was, you know, pre-crash number. Uh, a lot of people are saying four. I've had a couple of builders tell me they think two months of supply is truly equilibrium. Wow. And whatever metric you might go off of, either way, we're still very low. Um, and what, what is that causing a return when you have this is basic economics? You have very low supply, very high demand. You're seeing prices skyrocket. And that's exactly what is happening across the board. And, and you know, COVID obviously was a crazy time. It's still going on right now. But when COVID hit, you know, every single one of our clients, us especially, you know, we were worried. We, we thought, wow, this market, you know, might crash again. Like, like maybe not as bad as it was back in you know, 07, but and in those two months, you know, April, May, we did see a little bit. We had people calling us like, hey, we need to review our contract. We're, we're, we were told to halt all acquisitions. And so it was a scary time, but luckily it was a, a short-lived scary time. Come June of last year, the market starts flourishing. You know, like, you know, you know, hey, what's going on right now? And it's just happening. And every single month, you know, doing radio shows, talk with clients, every month was a new record, it seemed like. Record high pricing, record high closing, um, and just pretty much across the board. And then it really peaked probably, I'm going to say, in April, May, and June. So this spring of 2021, that was when you saw pricing going up year over year, you know, 25, 30, 35% overall market Atlanta. And you typically... Yeah, you typically you think, you know, if prices are going up that high, there's no way closings or anybody's crazy enough to buy a home when prices are up 30%. Well, sh sure enough, I mean, April, May, we saw retail closings up 39% in April and 45% in May. So people weren't deterred. Um, mm -mm. But what is happening, and we kind of predicted this, you know, there's going to be a softening. There's going to be a breaking point, right? You can't have prices go up forever. And you're just going to price way too many people out of the market. And we actually saw closings, and I'm not trying to scare anybody here, but we did see closings 
for, for resales down 4% in July from July of last year. We're always looking year over year. Okay. And so I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think that will actually cause prices to maybe slow down appreciation wise. You know, typically you only want to see three to 5% year over year appreciation at a home price. And that's why it's always considered the, you know, really safest investment you can maybe have. Uh, maybe before, you know, people said that before 06, but it's considered usually the you know, safest investment. We're still seeing prices go up 20% at least. So the prices are up in July 20%, you know, closings were down. I think you're going to continue to see prices probably, um, you know, they're going to appreciate still a little bit, but I think we're going to get back to more of that normal level here upcoming in the next six, 12 months, which I think is still a good thing. And we're actually seeing inventory rise a little bit. We actually saw more listings um, today. Fantastic. It's probably, the, I think it's, I believe it's the fourth month in a row we've seen an increase in listing activity. And typically you see the most listings in the summertime as well. So I think we're getting back to that normal market. I don't think it's going to crash. I know a lot of people, you see economists go out there and say, I think the market's going to crash, uh, you know, by the end of this year. I, we don't believe that's going to happen. This could be a very healthy market for maybe three to five years to come at least. You know, that is something that I hear as well. Hey, Jeff, are we in a bubble? You know, and everybody is still kind of burned from everybody that was around. It's still kind of burned from 08 and 09, which was a pretty big hit. And uh, I know I still am a little bit. I have cringes every once in a while when I think back. But it's just such a different environment now. To me, it just seemed like back then, you know, people were paying whatever, whatever, and banks were willing to lend whatever, and appraisers were willing to appraise for whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it, now I, I, I really being on the ground here, I feel like we've got a pretty solid appraisal system right now in place. Um, and it's a supply and demand issue. Like you said, it's fundamental economics. Yep. You know, we, it, it's, it's not a short term problem either. It's kind of been, I mean, you've been talking about this. It's been getting progressively worse for like the last eight years, hasn't it? I mean, keep having people move here for the supply. Yeah. Yeah. For the in, inventory. Yeah, inventory has been rapidly. I mean, Atlanta is one of the hottest cities to live in right now across the nation. Uh, new home construction closings were still third in the nation behind like Dallas and Houston. So we're still building a lot of homes. Uh, we just typically the easiest way to, you know, add inventory is to build more homes. Well, we didn't build anything from the years of 2007, 8 up until 2012. There's actually no new construction whatsoever. So we're trying to make up this four or five year gap of any sort of added inventory to the market, natural inventory. And it's it finally caught to itself. We're still building the most homes today than we have since 2007, but we have a long ways to go. To put that in perspective, people think the new construction market is back healthier than ever. We were doing 56,000 homes in Metro Atlanta back in 2005. So we're still barely half yeah. of what we used to be doing. Well, there's, it's hard to find a, you know, a thousand acres somewhere to put a thousand homes exactly. on, right? The cheaply. And nobody wants uh, a high rise next to them. So. Um. Yeah. Well, that, we that's, actually saw the. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say we actually saw our first uh, condo high rise being built last year over in West Midtown. The first one in over ten years. It's actually West doing Midtown. very well right now. No yeah. kidding. Well, that's awesome. I think it starts in the mid fives. <laughs> oh, is that it? <laughs> but okay. it, it? Yeah, that's it. But yeah, it's doing well. Actually, mid fives today. I mean, I, I was talking to you earlier about how I mentioned your know, prices are up tremendously. Uh, you know, the average price of a detached home is over 400 grand this year for resale. And you rewind that a few years ago, you were under 300,000 just three yep. years ago. That was insane. And if you actually look 10 years ago, 
the average price of a resale home was $145,000 in Metro Atlanta. Granted, that was the best time ever to buy a home, probably in the, the history we'll ever see in our lifetime. Right. Uh, but we know we were up, we're up over 160% for the average uh, price of a home in Metro Atlanta in 10 years. Wow, that's crazy. Well, and one other thing that you said that was kind of interesting to me was, um, you know, with, with supply being so low, you were saying that we were still seeing record close record amounts of closings. So the activity was actually, while supply was still low, the activity was, you know, as as much as we've ever seen. Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah. Even though prices were skyrocketing, we saw we saw record number of closings for a month, pretty much. I think 13 months in a row is what we, we saw Wow! in our numbers for, for resale closing. So like I said, you know, we actually are down in July and that's just, that's just natural right. economics. I mean, you can't, you can't go up 30, 20 to 30% price every year and expect, you know, closing numbers to keep going up as you experience. I know we talked the other day about attached housing and people were saying, Oh, everybody's moving out of the city. We're not really seeing that in our numbers. Right. We still think, um, but yeah, they were attached housing, especially condos were definitely hit hardest when COVID first hit. And it, it took some time for it to really recover. Uh, we, we saw detached closings going up probably two, three times faster than we saw attached closings. But then the spring of this year, we saw some really good numbers for attached. It seems like they're, they're coming back a little bit. Um, the month supply for attached is still fairly significantly higher than detached. Uh, but it, it is shrinking the gap a good bit right now. So I think people are actually willing to buy condos and, and uh, townhomes again. And you and you attribute when you say attached, you, you're just assuming that means in town. Because we don't get a lot of that I, out it, here in the suburbs. Yeah, I mean, you, there are some townhomes being built in the suburbs. Actually, they're very popular right now. We're actually seeing more townhomes being built today than we ever have in right. terms of the market share. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of that, most of the attached housing is in town. I don't have a number in front of me, but it's just know, hard. It's just, it's, it's hard to buy. It's hard to buy, build a single family home, uh, for the amount of money you have to pay for land. Right. Um, I know it's a uh, builders tell me all the time. It's really hard to sell, build it. If you, they couldn't build a $350,000 house in let's say Roswell or Alpharetta or, you know, even Marietta or, uh, it's possible. It's, it's what's that? Uh, I mean, it's nearly impossible. Right. So you got to find some less desirable areas that, you know, are a little bit beat up. And then, yep. yeah, you'll, you'll get some cheaper land. Uh, but there's a lot of pushback from the government and, and love people who live there. You know, they don't want to see a lot of attached housing. I, I, I heard Milton announced they still have the moratorium up. But I think all new construction had to be at least one acre lot yep. at one point. So yeah, you have pushback in all different directions. I mean, builders have had, even though, I mean, it's so easy to sell a home right now. There still is a lot of external factors they have to deal with. Um, I mean, even person trying to sell their home right now, what's the biggest issue with that? We well, right. got to buy another one, <laughs> right? And how do you, you got to time it up perfectly? And you're talking about the horror stories a second ago. I, I actually, I, I have my wife this as well, and I'll help out friends buying homes. We, we spent five months trying to buy him a home over in Oakhurst near Decatur, and, and people were going. I mean, we were, you know, 13th out of 16 offers after two days. And I mean, the days on market has just absolutely, you know, cratered in the past eight months. So, yeah, like yeah. going back to that, I mean, you sell your home. Yeah, it's very easy, but you got to find a home that you like as well. And, and that's kind of a big issue. A lot of people are it is not buying a home is not for the meek. Roll up your sleeves <laughs> and get cracking, baby, because we're about to go to battle. You got to be ready for it. No doubt about it. 
Well, Mitchell, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. That is just awesome stuff, man. It's always a pleasure, and we're always lucky to have you on here and, and uh, to provide the, the information that you do. Nobody has not just the data but a grasp and a perspective on the data and a way to present it so that people can understand and, and use it you know, to, to, uh, as they go about their daily business. So, you know, thank you very much for everything you do and thank you for, uh, coming on the show. I appreciate it. And one last thing just to keep track of, keep track sure. of those interest rates, those 30 year mortgage rates. If you see those start creeping up, you will see not just stopping, but even a slowdown. Uh, because even though homes are going up in price tremendously, these rates being below 3%, that makes the consumer able to buy a lot more homes than they were able to, you know, two, three years ago. But yeah, I appreciate you all having me on. Thank you very much. That's a good segue for me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mitchell. Have a great day. That is interesting. Yep. Rates are, uh, you know, they creep back down. They started creeping back up. Every time I think they're going to go up, they go back down again. So uh, I stopped predicting that about, uh, I think, one year after I got into the business and was wrong far too many times. But uh, that is fascinating stuff. So, Chris, you and I see all that stuff on a daily basis. Yep. Um, you know, we have been in the trenches trying to win those deals, and it is something. It is a street fight because you got to bloodbath. Yeah, bloodbath. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you got to figure out. You, you can't just. There's no conventional. You got to throw all convention out the window. It's you got to get a read. You tell me because you're one of the best I know at uh, being aggressive and going out and getting a deal. There's a lot of realtors out there that just want to. You know, fill out the GAR form, you know, send in the offer to the email and, and cross their fingers. And that just ain't going ain't gonna to cut it no. uh, in today's market. You've really got to be aggressive about it. Um, you know, what – if you could, you know, I, I've seen a lot of the things you do. I know you get me involved in the deal and all that sure. kind of stuff. If you could, could you tell everybody, like, what is your, there's no secret recipe and every single deal is different and how you approach it and how you assess it. I've seen the way you work, but tell us a little bit about some of the things you're doing to make your offer stand out. Cause you're getting, you're getting buyers, you know, you're getting buyers their first house, you yeah. know, in a lot of times. So when a buyer says, Hey, Chris, this is the one, what are you doing to then go try to make that happen for them? Sure. Yeah. I've got a couple of uh, things that I kind of thought of, but First starts off with managing expectations, you know, with the client itself when you first meet them Good point. and just educate them on the market, what, what it is, right. And understanding what kind of bloodbath it is. And sometimes it takes their first offer to realize, oh, you weren't kidding. Right. So, um, I think I've heard of somebody say once that your level of expectation is equal to your level of preparation, right? So, uh, preparation being go ahead and find a lender and go through the whole prequel process, right? Make yourself as strong as possible. Answer all the questions you can before you go start looking for a house because you ain't got time, right? When you find that house, you do not have time. So first thing, talk to them, educate them about what they're going to see out there and then prove it to them. And it might hurt the first time because they're like, oh, you weren't kidding. But that's that's what happens. Second one yeah. wouldn't be be available. And that's both for the real estate agent and for the client, right? Both people need to be available because right now when a property comes available, the luxury of saying, Hey, let's uh, wait until Saturday to right, go. Right. We're going to go see 10 homes and I'm going to fill the car up. We're going to do, you know, going to have some bottled waters. No, it's basically, Hey, it came up at uh, 1153. We got to be there at noon. Cause this suck. It's going to be gone. 
It's going to be gone by one o'clock, you know? So it's kind of one of those things you got to really jump in there and go. So, um, you know, think about days that you can go and kind of prepare for days when listings hit the market. So Monday, Tuesday, I would say stay at work. Don't plan, (laughs) have lunch at work, but maybe Wednesday, Thursday, just be ready to go and check out a house during your lunch hour because you might have to because that's when the uh, properties kind of hit and you got to go. You got to see it. Right. So part of it is just getting, making sure your offer is in there. One of the first ones, making sure correct the house doesn't go off the market before you have a time to even put an offer in. Right. Because the offers are so good right now. Right. And people, if they get what they want, they're like, some of them are saying I'm happy and they're not waiting the whole weekend to go. They're not, if they get an offer on Thursday, what they want or often above asking, that's it. They're not waiting for the rush of the week and they're like, well, we're just going to go to the pool and not worry about this. Right. right? So, and that's not every house, but be ready to go. Be prepared, be ready and, yeah. and jump when it's time. And when you go mm-hmm. and you're putting in the offer, ask what they want and give it to them. So let's say you have uh, a house, $400,000 house, which is kind of like the average around here, right? So one offer comes in for 400000 and another offer comes in for four or five. You're the $400,000 offer, but you took the time to ask them what they want. They want a 30 day, um, uh, temporary occupancy, you know, so they can move out so they can find a property. Um, they want a longer close. They want a shorter close, like all those little nuggets. If you give them what they want, the nuances of the deal, it's not just the price, right? And they could risk going with the four or five. That's not giving them what they want. But if right. you've already asked them, just what do you want? What are you looking for in the deal besides the number? Give them the best number, but fill in all those little holes. Even if you do not come in as the big number, the best number, you are the best deal. So that's another thing to kind of look at. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, then that's the thing is, is asking and reaching out instead of just throwing an offer at somebody. Yep taking the time to figure out how to get in touch with the seller and the listing agent and how to get them to cough up what it is they're really looking for. So, you need to ask them. You need right. to, as a realtor, you need to get the listing agent on the phone right. and just ask them what they want and then follow it up. When you have a great lender, I have a great lender that I work with, Jeff Smith, ladies I'll, and gentlemen. I'll vouch for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but Jeff, in a competitive environment, I call you at eight o'clock at night going like, Jeff, I need you. Can you call this listing agent real quick? Yep. And, and I'll tell you the property, what they're offering. But you've already worked with the client. You know. But hearing you talk to the listing agent right. and saying, I'm going to be easy to work with. They're already qualified. This, this, this. It just gives them such peace. And again, even if you're not the highest number, because some people are throwing crazy numbers out there. And even good listing agents know that crazy numbers aren't going to work in an appraisal situation, right? Right. So you're going to go for the, what deal is going to be the easiest to work with. So if you can meet all the people around you, your strategic partners, which, uh, you know, or whatever you want to call it, right. People that you work with and have them introduced into the deal before the deal is accepted, it's only going to make things better. Same thing with, uh, an appraiser, right? I've got a couple of appraisers that I work, or not appraisers, sorry. Um, inspectors that I work with, right. That I know I can call and say, Hey, I'm about to put this offer in. I'm going to ask for a 24 hour due diligence period. So like the other agent doesn't even need to take it off the market, right? We'll be there the next morning. I know I can call them for my clients and say, here, call any three 
these three guys, they'll be there tomorrow morning to inspect the house. You know, those are ready to go. So right. it's like kind of collecting the right people that you can work with. Um, really make the deal easier. And we have a great team together. It is, it's a team, it is a team effort and everybody's got to be on the same page page. Cause one guy, one guy or gal can slow the whole thing down. Correct. But it's interesting about the price cause it's easy to just throw a high price at somebody. Yeah. It takes work to figure out what it is they want and to figure out what I can do to craft a deal that, that, that makes them enticing. Yeah. In this in market, it's not enticed. just, it's not just the money. Right. Because you can only go so high. Right. As you were mentioning with Mitchell Palm and appraisers, it's, it's a fair system. It's right. a strong system. And part of the reason it's strong and it's healthy and we're not going to see that kind of drop most likely is just because there's a check there. So you got to figure out how to get around that or not around that, but how to work with that. So one of the things that was another point is um, a couple of years ago, a big thing in competitive markets was um, the um, escalation clause, right? Saying right. basically I'll go a thousand dollars over the next highest offer up to X, right? Right. Right now when you're getting 60 offers, half of them have escalate uh, escalation clauses. So everybody's just confused, right? Cause like this one triggers that one. This I've seen agents just go like, we're not even dealing with those, right? Or just saying, cause they don't want to do the math and it's confusing and it's impossible when you've got multiple offers like that, right? Dealing with that. So one thing that I've found that works is uh, an appraisal gap contingency, right? Cause uh, if you offer on a house and the appraisal becomes below what you offered or your contracts for uh, either, you know, with a regular appraisal contingency, you could back out, but, most cases, people are foregoing the contingencies. That's right. So you have to come up with, the, the buyer has to come up with the difference. So $400,000 house only appraised for three eighty five. dollars The buyer's on the hook for fifteen grand. Right. correct? So what I see people doing with the appraisal gap contingency is saying, okay, we're going to offer four hundred dollars or $5,000 over appraisal. So that way- if the house for some reason comes in at 360, they're going to play 365. They're not stuck paying the full 40 grand window. Right. Yeah, that's so you're still being able to protect your buyer, but at the same time. Yes. I right. mean, we did a deal recently where right. that was the case. It was, it, it was a $30,000 difference then. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad we had it in there. The, the seller took it cause they're like, wow, okay, this is 360. And then the house ended up going for, Three thirty, and then you know our, our clients paying three thirty five. Three thirty five. They yeah. made, she made up the difference. That's she right. Made it, she, so she's only yeah. covering that difference of five grand instead of the full amount. Yet the seller was like, "Ooh, you know, three sixty. Is it a possible? Because we don't know. I mean, so you're still able to protect your buyer yes. from doing from just entering into you know a crazy deal. Yeah. Uh, while at the same time still getting the deal won by the seller. Because in this market, I've seen uh, agents being borderline careless. And then the ultimate right. thing is our, our job is to protect the client. Our job is not to earn a commission. Like our job is to protect our client, our income or whatever will come from that. Um, but ultimately it's about protecting them. And I, you know, I don't want a phone call in two years going like I'm way upside down here. Right. right? So yeah, you're going to lose some. Cause sometimes again, set expectations at the beginning is just, okay, this one's not for you because people are chasing it too high and it's just not worth it. You know, right. and you're going to put yourself in a hole. So, so don't get caught up in the crazy too much. Don't get don't caught get up, caught up too hard about trying to win a deal. Right. That you just uh, and, yeah. and don't fall in love until <laughs> after. Oh, yeah. Don't fall in love with that first house that you see. Be ready to fall in love with the first house because 
inventory so low, it's okay to like buy the first one. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't fall in love with it until it's signed because you never know. Wonderful. Chris Bartelski, I cannot thank you enough for coming on this show and uh, enlightening us with some of the tips you got on getting houses under contract. He's one of the best in the business when it comes to that. Uh, One of the best in the business at making his clients happy. I can't thank you enough. Uh, Mitchell Palm, thank you so much for coming on the show. And all you wonderful listeners out there on this podcast, please tune in next month for another edition of AT Developments in the ATL. We will uh, uh, welcome you back and have a great month. Work hard, be useful, be helpful, and be healthy. Talk to you soon.